Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Welcome to What a Life with Paul Batura. Paul is a best-selling author, writer, Fox News contributor, and vice president of communications at Focus on the Family. This is a show about the extraordinary value of every life. It's a show about movers, shakers, and culture shapers. And now, here's your host, Paul Batura. Well, thanks for the introduction, Dr. Bill. Welcome to this special New Year's Eve weekend edition. Uh, The curtain is falling on the year 2023, and I appreciate you spending some of it with us. Uh, Special thanks to the Salem Media Network for producing and distributing the program, and to Lance on the other side of the glass for engineering. Okay, we're going to end this year on a high note. That's because joining us today is Mr. Horst Schultze. Um, Horst is founder of the Capella Hotel Group and co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. You know, somebody once said that if you took all the money in the world and you evenly distributed it, it wouldn't be long before the previously wealthy people were wealthy again. And there are just certain people who have just that gift. And when it comes to establishing and maintaining excellence and world-class hospitality, nobody does it better than Horst. He's the author of a terrific book. Uh, It's entitled Excellence Wins. A No-Nonsense Guide to Becoming the Best in a World of Compromise. Now, some of you might be into New Year's resolutions. Uh, We all like a fresh start, and you'd be hard-pressed to do any better in kicking off your year than reading this book. Uh, You may not be running a hotel, uh, but the principles apply to every area of life. Horst is now 84 years old, I think, and he's not let up. He's speaking with us today, I think, from Atlanta. So, Horst, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, I do speak from Atlanta, and uh, another, and not uh, in less than four weeks I'll be eighty-five. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm feeling great. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Well, uh, happy early birthday, and thank you. Uh, uh, you're welcome. And by the nature of this show, we're going to talk about your life. But I normally start at the beginning. But I thought, uh, reading your book, I was really moved by the very end, and. Um, you know, I thought, let's start where you thought your life might end, when you thought your life might end. Ah, so yeah, almost yeah. 30 years ago, you were given a, a rather grim uh, cancer diagnosis. And yeah. uh, nobody, apparently, has been known to survive the type of cancer you had. And yet, here you are, 33 years, almost 34 years yeah. later. Can you tell us, yeah. about, tell us about that experience? Wow. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I well at the time I had a checkup in in, in, funny, in in Mayo Clinic and they said and I told them that I have some feel I feel something here in my stomach and they, they, in fact they said that's really nothing and you probably play tennis yes I do and you know, there's a muscle pull and so on and at the same time I went then I went went from there to to Spain where I opened a hotel in Barcelona I spent two weeks there training employees. But I kept on feeling that, and I went back and had another 
check up in a, another doctor, and uh, he said, you probably play tennis, and no kidding, twice. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, no, and then it takes an ultrasound, and I could see the faces of the two young ladies that did the ultrasound, and sure enough, the doctor called, and you have a major tumor, we have to immediately operate and, say, and so on and so on. The typical stuff. And after operation, I learned I was done basically a few days later. That's really a lot of things happened. But a few days later, I was said, well, that's a very serious tumor. A tumor that is operated, but it always comes, always comes back as a snowstorm. They use the word snowstorm, mm. meaning it will be all over. Uh, over you. And uh, so what can we do? Well, we have to immediately start with chemotherapy. And I said, wow, 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 let's wait for a minute. So I got for a second opinion. I didn't accept. Uh, he, he literally said right away, uh, this cancer, we have to try and fight it. But it always comes back as a snowstorm within 10 months. And then uh, you should get start getting, think about getting your things in order and so on. I said, well, I won't quite accept that. I'm going to go find somebody who tells me something else. So I went to Dana Farber, MD Anderson, John Hopkins, Mayo Clinic, and they all told me the same thing, 10 months to a year. And so I, I decided not to do chemo because, frankly, if I have 10 months to a year why should, and, and the chemo, cannot guarantee me that I'm better. So I went on my knees and thoroughly wish we were anyway and and what to do. And uh, uh, truly, I mean, I, I mean that truly, you know, it's hard to tell people, maybe people don't get it. I truly, through God's guidance, I found a diet that I approached, which was called, a, which is a macro uh, uh, biotic diet given to me by the guru of macrobiotics at the time, Kushi in, in, in Boston, because I did that diet because he said, if you do that diet for a year, 100%, the cancer will be gone. And uh, everybody else told me I would die. So I, 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 start, I decided to follow him you know, mm. and, and, stay, and stay on my knees. And, and uh, the, the the amazing thing during that time, and I, you know, because when you're told those things, your life changes dramatically. Ego and ambitions are gone. Uh, the, all the, 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 the stuff that is around us, the world that is really around us, if you like it or not, all those layers, that don't let God come into you, in you totally, they were gone. Mm-hmm. And, and suddenly, you have a total different, you, you, you learn what it means to have a great relationship with Jesus. And I, I learned at a time that was, the, was incredibly fulfilling and incredibly peace-giving, and I had a number of experiences that clearly said, I'm here. Mm. I, I'm here. I, I mean, you know, I, I, you, you hear that things and you, and you think the emotional fools who talk say things like that, I can tell you, I, I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't tell a non-believer because I know exactly what they think and say because I'm probably because that's what I used to be 
uh, at one time. Yeah. Uh, and, and But I had experiences where very clearly God tells you, we know that we only get as much load as we can carry, and if we, if we can not carry it anymore, God, Jesus will be there. And I experienced that. I, I truly experienced that. Well, your life, I, I, yeah. You know, my life changed. It was amazing. Yeah, your life was spared and, and you've been given a lot more time and you've made good use of that time. Well, Horst, let's go back to the beginning. You were born in Germany. I think people may pick up on that from your accent. And uh, <laughs> kind of unusual for a kid in Germany, you told your parents you, you want to, you're 11 years old and you tell your parents you want to go into the hotel business, not necessarily yeah. the thing that they wanted to hear or were expecting to hear. But uh, where did you get that idea? I mean, I, I guess yeah, maybe the Holy Spirit put it on your heart. You know, yeah, no, I mean, it must have been because, look, you have to understand, I lived in a small village in Germany. Uh, you, you go in, uh, uh, nobody heard about going into hotel business. I mean, there, I'd never been in a hotel. In fact, literally, really, I had never been in a restaurant before, not even in a restaurant. And I went to my parents and they said, yeah, yeah, and they didn't know. I, my my parents don't know where I got it from. I don't know where I got it from. I must have read something or whatever it was. I go to the hotel, go into hotel business. And mind you, uh, at that time in Germany, you, you it was an honor to do any hand work or technical work. And I mean it sincerely. I'm not exaggerating this. If I would have said, I want to be one day the head street sweeper in town, that would have been honorable. Mm-hmm. But going to the hotel business, my, my parents were embarrassed for a while. I kept on insisting on it, crying, begging. My parents finally looked into that, what, what would mean a career in the hotel business through government agency. And they, their recommendation was to find the best hotel possible to start working in ground floor. And sure enough, the, the best hotel, though, was over 100 kilometers away, which at the time was far, very far. We were taking the train, making several changes and so on. And, uh, but my parents found a job there as a busboy, if you will. And at 14, I went there and lived in a dorm room and uh, lived in that hotel. Yeah, and you're 14 years old, living away from home for the first time, and you meet... Yeah. A guy that I think kind of changed your life, a guy named Carl, yeah. Carl Zeitler. Yeah. Tell us about well, him. Let, let, yeah, let's say that we are, we are all, all of us are the, the result of impacts that people had on us, starting with our parents, neighbors, friends, and, and others. I, was, I, I really believe today that God put the right people in my way. You, are, you know, understand, I'm a, I am, if you will, a elementary school dropout. I left home when I was 14 to work in this hotel and met the Medody the first day, the head waiter where I reported to, that was my area under whom I worked. And he said two sentences that changed my life. I didn't, mind you, I didn't get it when he said it. I learned what he meant over the next three and a half, half years when I worked with him. What he said was simply that he said, now tomorrow, young man, show up at 7 a.m. If I meant one minute after 7, I would tell you so. 
No. He's not subtle. You know, yeah. It, yeah, it was very clear. I, when I say something, I mean it. We have rules. We live by. We, we have precision here. But it's very clear in one sentence. And the next sentence was, that really blew me away because I didn't understand that at all. He said, and don't come to work tomorrow. Come here to create excellence in what you're doing. Now, excellence, washing dishes, cleaning floors, which I knew I had to do the next day. Uh, what is excellent about that? <laughs> it, that went through my mind at the time. But I learned from him after a while that whatever you do in life, your intent has to be doing it with excellence. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what it is. And consequently, if you do it with excellence, you will define yourself as a person of excellence. Mm. We're talking with Horst Schulze. He's the co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton uh, Hotel chain and uh, the Capella Hotel Group, uh, which he started when he was 65 years old, which is just an incredible thing to retire from a, a five-star brand like the Ritz-Carlton and then literally the next week start another uh, premier luxury brand. So, Horst, you obviously you're young, you're in your teens, you're 16, and you're asked to write an essay, kind of, I guess, a philosophy of of hospitality. I I, hope they've gone to, but let me interject one thing you said. uh, I started another hotel company, Capella, which, which incidentally, just so you know, is now the number one rated hotel company in the world. (laughs) But but I sold the company three years ago. Yes, I am now working for this medity who was an exceptional human being who who, who is is one of my role models in my life. I have other people where I was extremely grateful that God put this man in my way of my life who impacted me. Uh, He meant creating excellence. He, He didn't do anything without high intent. And, uh, but, you know, the, the, the norm in, in Germany, you, you learn a profession, you learn working in a profession. At the same time, you go to hotel school, in my case. You go to the school of your work, in my case, hotel school, where all the kids of the region went to. We, that is one day a week in school. So when I was 16, the, 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 the professor, the, the teacher asked to write an essay, three pages, what we now think about the company. I went back to work at night and I saw, and I happened to notice, and I saw this before, mind you, but I never internalized it. The major D approached the table, and I could see that the guests on the table were proud that he came to them. Now, this was shocking to me for a moment to recognize that because we had been told by top management constantly, we are servants, you are servants, and the and you're here to take care of the guests, and you have to learn how to be a good servant to this guest. And suddenly I realized he is also a servant in the room. We all are. Yet the very important guests, the very important ladies and gentlemen, that's how they were referred to as important ladies and gentlemen, were, were impressed, they were honored that he came to them. When I contemplated that night writing my essay, I decided to write about that. And I wrote the story, which I then named, We are ladies and gentlemen. We are not servants. 
We are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Our profession is service. And and for the first time, and I kind of expressed in there, in which I, the feeling that I, for the first time in my life, realized that I can define myself even if for the rest of the life, my life, I'm a dishwasher. I still can define myself as a fine gentleman mm. by being an excellent mm. person and doing what I do with excellence. And this is a real and, paradigm and, uh, shift that you made, that you identified, oh, that changed dramatic, everything. Dramatic, dramatic. I think, and, and for that moment, I got the point about not going to work. I, I still didn't quite get it, but to create excellent. But from this moment on, I realized I define myself by my work. I, I'm, it's, and, and, and you know, it's one of our social problems in the country. People think the government or some or your neighbor or somebody else defines you, and and. Instead of realizing that everybody defines themselves, mm. and you know, and and if you define yourself, uh, forgive me, anybody there that has a bit green spiked hair and 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 and, and the face are full of tattoos, well, you de- you define yourself as something. You figure out what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? now, now yeah. You've had so I, many. You've had so many influences in your life, in your professional life. Saint Benedict is one of them, which I think might surprise yeah. people. Tell us what type of yeah. uh, influence yeah. Saint Benedict yeah, had it, on you. It, it, you know, mind you, I'm in the hospitality world, and it's a fascinating thing. The first teaching, written teaching about the, about the hospitality, is Saint Benedict in the year 500. He wrote to his monasteries, to the head of his monasteries that he formed in Europe, where 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 men that traveled stopped for rest and, and, and shelter, he wrote to them and said, when a guest arrives, treat them as if it was Jesus himself. Bow down, he imposted, uh, join them for dinner if they're by themselves, even if you have to break your fast, but if you join them for dinner, wash their feet before you have dinner, now, that is hospitality, he said. <laughs> yeah. How, and I have to question myself then, how close can I come? Treat them, because imagine that. Treat that guest as, as if it was Jesus himself. So how close can I come to that? I don't wash their feet, but I, I can try to come as close as in a, today's world possible. Mm. That's hospitality. Yeah, I mean, you you set the bar high, and I think a lot of people who have stayed in your hotels over the years, many of them not Christians, would be surprised to know the origin of that. But that's that is where you got your inspira- yeah. inspiration yeah, sure. from. Yeah. And so you you spent obviously you worked in some of the finest hotels in Europe, and then you came over to the United States. You were working uh, in San Francisco, right, for a Hilton hotel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I worked in San Francisco, and my, my, my plan was very clearly in the midst. I mean, I'm not exaggerating that. I worked in the finest hotels in Europe, in the Plaza in Paris, in Savoy and Parkley Hotel in London, in the Bourbash Palace, Bellevue Palace, and so on. I mean, the absolute finest in the world. And I learned my business uh, very from the very finest in the world. When I worked as a room service waiter in the Hilton in San Francisco, with my plan was very simply, I'm going to stay here about two years, uh, and I'm going to learn the language better. Okay, everybody, I'm still working on it. All right. I'm going to learn the language better. I'm going to learn a new culture. I'm going to learn new systems. 
and uh, I, and I w- I'm going to wait to get a some kind of a promotion after which I will go back to Europe. Now I knew that the room service made a job. There were four supervisors. I wanted to get one of those jobs. Get when when because I knew they were, they were promotion jobs. They became restaurant manager and so on. True enough, I was there two months. One got promoted, and and another guy, another waiter was promoted to supervisor. So I said, okay, the next one that will be me. And I I could really expect that because I was by far the best waiter there. I know the food. I know beverage. I know the chemicals of food. I know I know how it goes together. And I don't just take an order and deliver it. And so I knew I would get the next job. And, and of course, another thing was the, the, the manager was Sherman, too. So I knew the next promotion will be for me. And, uh, you, think this and is, whole, you think this I, is a lot. My, yeah. my, whole, my whole life plan was centered around that. I mean, literally, I mean, I was so planning that that was it. And, and sure enough, six, eight months later, Another supervisor got promoted. The manager said, show up tomorrow morning, everybody. We're going to applaud and, and uh, say goodbye to Bill, who will be promoted. And I will uh, name the new supervisor, I, 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 which, of course, would be me. And so the next morning, we showed up and we applauded Bill and we wished him good luck and gave him a high five. And then our, our manager said, OK, the new, next supervisor will be Fred. And I knew my name was not Fred. <laughs> it, 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 it was absolutely devastating. Mm. It was an unbelievably terrible ego. Everything, my plan, um, everything was destroyed. So what happened? Why didn't you get the job? Well, I, 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 because in, in a moment I thought because management is stupid. But it took a few months to admit I didn't, the other guy deserved it more, the guy that got it. And it was very simply, I didn't go to work for excellence anymore. Mm. I went to work to work. So I went back to my, once I realized that, you know, the other guy, when I came to work, I was a few minutes late, just a few minutes. I was tired. And I, and, 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 and when the manager said something like, uh, yeah, do some side work, like folding napkins, I say, why not, why, why me? Why not the other? The guy that got it, when he came in a few minutes early, he said friendly good morning to everybody. When he was asked to do side work, he said, I'm happy to. I went to work to work, not to create excellence. Mm. And I, so I went to my little uh, furnished room in the Tenderloin District in San Francisco. And I can, you should see it now. <clears throat> it wasn't good then. <laughs> and I talked to my maitre d'. And you know, he, oh, by the way, he had passed away. He didn't show up, but I talked with him. I looked at him and I apologized. I went to work. I had promised him because the last day when I worked with him, he said, look me in the eye and, and promise me never to go to work. And, and I went to work. And what do you really, what, what's the difference? If you go to work, you go there to the place of your work to fulfill a function. Well, the chair on which you're sitting is fulfilling a function. We are human beings. We should have a higher intent in our work and create excellence. Mm. And I apologize to my mentor, really, at that time. I, I'm so sorry. You helped me. You didn't forgive me that I... 
acted like a fool and, and treated myself like a chair. I sentenced myself to something lower than a human being by going and fulfilling a function. Mm. So, and I promised that will nev never happen again. Yeah. So I had to manage myself and process so that I would never go. And, and I got my promotion and I, my, my, I truly, you cannot comprehend how my career took off like a rocket ship from there. Like yeah. a rocket ship. Yeah, a turning point in your life. We're talking with Horst Schulze. He's the co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton brand and the Capella Hotel Group. Uh, we've been talking about kind of his rise, and here we are. We're at a at a transformational moment where he recognized that it was up to him, his attitude, and and um, he was responsible for what was happening to him. He wasn't blaming management; he was taking it on himself. And uh, we're gonna when we come back from the break, um, horse. I'd love to talk to you about that uh, rocket ship that you talk about, and uh, I would love to talk with you too about your friendship with. Um, uh, True at Kathy, because I think a lot of people who are listening will be surprised to know that the Ritz-Carlton influenced uh, Chick-fil-A in, in a very significant way and one of the ways that a lot of us love. Uh, Horst Schultze is the author of a great book, Excellence Wins, A No-Nonsense Guide to Becoming the Best in a World of Compromise. Great gift for people, a great book to start the new year. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. I'm Paul Batura. Thanks for listening. What a life. Lessons from legends. We're talking today with um, Horst Schulze. He's the author of a great book, Excellence Wins, a no-nonsense guide to becoming the best in a world of compromise. The, the, you're, you may not be familiar with his name, but you're familiar with his brand for sure, the Ritz-Carlton here in the United States, and then uh, uh, the, the number one luxury brand hotel in Europe uh, called the Capella Group. Uh, Horst, thank you for uh, hanging on and uh, when we were last together here talking, we were talking about your meteoric rise after you sort of adjusted your attitude. Um, you, you're you know, working for Hilton, you're working for Hyatt, and then you're approached to help start this new brand. Um, you're, com you're comfortable in your job, you're rising in the ranks in Hyatt, um, and yet you decided to kind of take a risk. Talk about that. I mean, how, how yeah. difficult of a decision was that for you? Yeah, it, it, it was very difficult. Uh, I hear I'm working for Hyatt, and in the meantime, I'm a, I'm a corporate vice president and, and operation, food and beverage operation for 65, all all at the time, all Hyatt hotels in the United States. And so uh, I'm, I have my golden handcuffs. I have everything you ever wanted in a career, highly recognized. When somebody called and said, we're starting a new hotel company, we're looking for somebody around that company. So <laughs> I'm not, yeah. so what? Good, good luck. I'm not interested at all. So, but a few days later, he called me again, and I listened. And, said, and, and, and I listened. So, so I asked him, well, so what do you want to do? What do you want to do with the company? I'm just conversation." Uh, and he said, "Well, that would be up to you. You, you would be the operator. You would be. We are the investors. We, we, are, we are developers, investors. Would be up to you." He said, "Well, that's that's great, but I wish you good luck. But uh, you know, I'm I'm really not interested. So all the best to you. Thank you very much. Please don't call anymore. Hmm. And and afterwards, I said I talked to my wife Sherry and said, you know, if if I would do the, the hotel, here's what I would do. And and and, I, and she said, I think you're interested. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> here's what I would do. And the next day, I went to work, and something ethically happened with the with the person I reported to. 
that I had a really hard time. I said, my goodness, I have to keep on reporting to him. I, said, I had a hard time with that. But I came home, and as I sat at home, and I, t- I told my wife about it, I said, something happened today that is really bothering me. When I get a telephone call, they called me again from Atlanta, even though I had told them not to call me anymore. And I said, I said, why do you call me again? Well, frankly, you were recommended, and and as we talked, somebody that you're not interested, somebody coincidentally recommended again you. But there's no company. Why don't you just at least talk to us? So I, so we talked, and uh, the 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 vision. That's it here. The vision, the purpose of of being able. I I, tro- I told I told my wife I would build the best hotel company in the world, and that vision all of a sudden started to control me. I, I could see it. I could I, I questioned myself: Would that be good for everybody? And so on. So it's a rather and, bold. That's a rather bold statement. Yeah, yeah. And you know, well, you know, I I, I saw that. And I, I, if a leader has a vision, that leader has to say. Is that vision good for everybody? It has to be good. It has to be good for the investor. It has to be good for the employee. It has to be good for for the the, the customer. It has to be good for society. And and as a Christian, you should ask yourself, would God approve? Mm. If you have done that, and you, your answer is clearly yes on everything, you cannot compromise it anymore. Then you know what to do. So so that went through my mind, and 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 uh, and I said, well, let's talk, and I. And I accepted the job, and I moved to Atlanta. There were two hotels in construction, and instead of being in charge of 65 hotels, I was in charge of no hotel, <laughs> of the yeah. planning of a company. So it, it and, uh, and the rest, but it, 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 I have to go on here for a moment. Uh, the first two years was very difficult. In fact, I went after two years, I didn't tell my wife that it was very difficult because she just had a baby. We had a lot of debt. We bought a house. We couldn't sell our house in Chicago. And I finally had to tell my wife because I thought we would not make it as a company. So I said, Sherry, Sherry, you know, I have to sit down with you. Terrible thing. I think we made a mistake moving here. And my wife said, very cool as she is, uh, this wonderful woman looked at me and said, don't argue with God. Mm-hmm. We prayed on it. We prayed on it. And maybe the shop doesn't work, but we didn't make a mystic movie here because we prayed on it. Yeah. Very thoroughly. Oh, wow. I said, I will never argue with God again in front of you. <laughs> and, uh, and the rest is history. And she also reminded me of my constantly telling everybody, have a vision and never compromise and never give up on the vision. And so she said, your vision was to make the best hotel company, so go and do it. Don't make excuses. That's not an excuse. That, don't make an excuse. And so I know the rest of history. Yeah. We were clearly, the last uh, 13 years in the company, the company was voted the number one hotel company in the world. And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful time, wonderful people. And... Uh, but it was time to retire. The, the painting was painted. And frankly, my wife couldn't stand anymore me, my traveling 200 to 250 days a year. So I retired. 
on a Friday, and then Monday they decided to start a new drug company. <laughs> yeah. So what was that? What was that weekend like? Were you kind of uh, thinking yeah. I made a I made a mistake, or did well, it kind of hit you on no, Monday morning? No, frankly, no, frankly, I talked to a neighbor who retired, who had just retired a couple of weeks earlier, but he was 15 years younger. So I said, I, I don't understand why you retired. Why did you retire? And he said, so I have time to do more what I like to do. I said, well, in your case, what is that? Well, playing golf and doing this. And I said, wow. And so I, I, I went back and said, what do I like to do? Well, I like to play hotel. <laughs> you know? yeah. so I told my wife, I'm going to do it one more time. And, and besides that, frankly, at that time, there was a shift in, in market thinking and I was warned by people like J.D. Power and so that, they, that the market is changing into not only luxury, but a new direction into super luxury, ultra luxury. So I wanted to be the first one. And I understood there were many ultra luxury hotels in the world, but, but they didn't. there was no ultra luxury hotel company that had number of hotels sustained ultra luxury. So I wanted to be the first one to create it. And, and we did, and, and today that company is rated number one in the world. It's mostly in Asia, by the way. Ah, okay. That's why a lot of us have not heard of it, but we yeah, some yeah, may have yeah, traveled yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah. So you're and uh, none in the U.S. So you went in the midst of all of your hotel work. You've uh, offered yourself as a consultant. You have a lot of friends. You have a lot of associates. And one of those friends was True at Kathy with Chick Fil A right there in Atlanta. Yeah, and you, you really, did, really. Really, Dan Pathy, the son of Druid. Okay, so you're talking with Dan, and you're listening to them, and they're they're trying to come up with their kind of slogan or their phrase that they're going to use when they uh, well, serve no, customers. No, but really, what really happened, Dan and I ran a race together. We were both, we were both around us. We ran a race together several times and spent time. We were, we were friends, and he, he after that race, I didn't know. That, mind you, that's 40 years ago. Uh, when they were in Atlanta, he said, have you been in the Chick-fil-A? And I said, yeah. He said, what do you think? And frankly, he tells it a little softer than I do. But the story, the truth is, I said, what I think, I think you're the best of a lousy lot. But, but you're not good. <laughs> what a compliment. But you're not, good. <sighs> but, said, but you're not so good to go. So he said, well, let's look at the Chick-fil-A. We looked at them and I pointed out what I think should be. And hospitality, more hospitality and so on. And then, and then he said, well, would you consult with us? So I started consulting with him. And in that consulting, it came to the point where I want to, where we have to talk about words. Words. And there was, I talked to all the management, key management corporates. And Truett Cardi, the, 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 the founder of the company, was sitting in the back of the room just listening in, he said. And I said, okay, words. For instance, we, we tell people not to say hi, but say welcome, good afternoon, welcome, and so on. Because hi puts you on equal level. But if I say good morning, ma'am, I'm, I'm honoring you, and at the, man, the same time, I'm establishing that I am, I am, I am a professional mm-hmm. in a rich garden. Now, how should we do it? But for sure, you should look me in the eyes and say welcome, and so on. And we, we talk about it. And then I went on and said, and when the order comes, instead of saying, okay, we in Rich Carlton say my pleasure. Now, and it's very important that you change that okay in your company too. But now, now comes the story, really the real story. But 
don't use my pleasure. It's too fancy for you. And so we discussed what they would use. And everybody agreed that my pleasure would be too fancy. When suddenly Trude cut in the back, raised his finger in the air and said, I like my pleasure. <laughs> so I said, Mr. Cassie, I do too, because that's what we use. <laughs> but at Trude's Carlton, I don't think he should use it in Chick-fil-A. And he said, I like it. And that was the end of it. And he used it. Oh, and, now, and now everybody, everybody who knows me and knows my relationship with, with Dan and with Chick-fil-A said, Oh, you you started my pleasure. No, I told him not to use it. Yeah, that's great. That's a, I love that story, and uh, we'll forever remember you for uh, implementing that with Chick Fil A. Um, no, I I told him not to implement. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, but uh, by default, they uh, I guess yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. true it speaks. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned you're yeah, sure. you mentioned you're a runner. I know you walk regularly now. You're about approaching yeah. your 85th birthday. You are full of energy and full of vim and vigor. Are you? Were you a marathoner? Were you a shorter yeah, oh distance? Yeah, yeah. I run, I run well, a number of marathons. What yeah, was your? I, I'm, a, I'm a marathoner I, too. So this is why. What yeah, was yeah. your favorite marathon that you've done? Boston a couple of times. Oh sure, yeah. That's well, a t- Boston. No, no question. Boston is it. You know, it, I mean, it's the emotion. It's the emotion of the the, the, the mother and father of all marathons. It's the emotion of Boston. It's the it's the fact that they have to qualify. It's it, it's the whole thing about Boston. Now I have a lot of fun, you know. In, in, for instance, Berlin, uh, all the way through bands and fun and so on. Much more so than Boston. In Boston, you have a whole stretch there, not nobody on even on the road. I, in some places, but still, you you're running Boston, and it's, it's, a, it's a special feeling, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it sure is, and it's sort of the as the Cadillac of uh, of running goes. The uh, the hills, the heartbreak hills. I always say the hills aren't so bad. It's where they come in the race, kind of late in the race. Yeah, that's it. It's sixteen miles. The big sixteen mile point. You're going up for six plus miles. Right. You know. And and and, and you know, what I did in, in my first marathon there, I had some kids from the hotel with a, with a camera on on Heartbreak Hill, so I couldn't stop. I had to run <laughs> all the way on top. You know, everybody walks, and I wanted to walk so badly. But what if they? What if the camera is there and catches me walking? The, perp- the so pressure's I run, on. I, I run all, I run all the way up as hard as I could, and then I finished up. And it turned on the head. Forgot to turn the camera on. Oh, that's great! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's good. Oh, that's good. Well, yeah. hey, let's. I want to kind of dip in and out of your book a little bit. There's so much wisdom in this in your book. Excellence wins. Um, one of the things that really jumped out at me. You, you quote of someone that I've admired for a while from Harvard, uh, Clayton. Christensen, who since has since passed yeah. away, but he yeah. qu- he quoted Friedrich Herzberg, who said the powerful motivator in our lives isn't money; it's the opportunity to learn, grow in responsibility, contribute to others, and be recognized for achievement. That that seems yeah. to almost sum up your philosophy of management. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's just a. It, it, I mean, it's it's an. First of all, management. What if you think about what an honor to have the opportunity positively impact the life of many others. That's really where it is when you're a manager. You have to know that is your role. And, and, and you, have to, you have to also know you, have, you cannot stand still. You have to keep on growing and learn. And, 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 and every time you learn, you have, you have a chance to improve others again, their life, and improve your organization as you improve yourself. It is, it is an ongoing. And it should be driven. And, and what is it all about? I mean, Look, 
it is amazing to me, and I, I know we have touched on that in the earlier part here, that people go to work for work. It, 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 it's today amazing to me. We're human beings. The chair on which you're sitting is fulfilling a function. We have to understand that. We have to do that with higher intent. Mm. But to find that higher intent, we have to know. We have to learn. And consequently, the intent can go up and up in our life as we know more, as we learn more. That's why it is so exciting and beautiful. And the more you're in, in leadership, the more you learn, the more you can give. Do you think most people don't really enjoy what they're doing for a living? Well, we know that it's true in all the statistics. Isn't it said? It is, it, whose fault is it? To a great extent, it is the fault of the organization in which they're working. Let, let's face it, there too. I think it's nearly immoral. People mm. hire, people, hire people in order so that those people fulfill a function necessary in their organization. But wait a minute. Again, let me remind you, the chair in which you sit and fulfills a function, but we are hiring human beings. We should hire them to join our vision, our dream. Mm. Hire them to be part of your organization and not to fulfill a function. My goodness, the function is only there to accomplish the objective, which should be beautiful for all concerned. There you're back to the vision of the organization. Yeah, you've mentioned that people aren't, this is a quote from your book, people aren't usually inspired to work hard for someone else's purpose, but what gets them going is their purpose. So how That's right. How do you That's distinguish right. that? How does that happen? Because obviously you have to work as a team, and yet you're sure. trying to empower your people to find that purpose. Yeah, well, well you know, as far as everything's process. I, if I have if a process is right, I have a great organization with great people. If, and if my people are 5% better than my competitions, I'm going to win, frankly. That is a, a part of it. So I have to make sure that I'm better in selecting my employees. In that selection process is, is the hiring process. As I said, I don't offer a job. I offer to join us in a, in a, in a, in a vision. In, in, in case of Ritz-Carlton, join me. Why don't you join me of creating the finest hotel company in the world? Be part of it. Mm. And, and, and if, you, if you join that, so what, what will be the benefit? You will be defined as a person of excellence because we're creating, we're defining ourselves as the best in the world in our industry. You as a, you as a housekeeper, as a maid, once you work for its garden, you look for a job, you will be hired because you work for its garden because you have helped to define ourselves as people of excellence. You know, mm. you know this, this, this is the attitude. Now, the second process for us was orientation. To, to when people start to work, to truly let them know who we are, what we think, what we feel, what we, how we work together, and, and, and so that they know what they're part of. And to teach them the first, the second day, what are the key expectations of our customers. And instead of tell, giving them uh, uh, in the first day, usually what happens, they get the rules and regulation of the company. How, uh, no, that's not what we're doing. We're giving you who we are, what, who you are now as a new employee. Right. You, you famously empowered your people to solve guests' problems and spend independent 
of any approval up to $2,000 to make something right. How, yeah. That, yeah. that must have that, really raised a lot of eyebrows when you first well, implemented oh, that. Well, you raised eyebrows. It was a nuclear explosion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when, when I came up with that, I, even my vice president thought I, I, I lost my mind. But it was a very, frankly, it was an economic decision. But look, I, I don't want to lose a customer. And if and we had learned that the customer, when they have a problem, they will, they will tell the per, first person they can tell to. And and if that person doesn't accept the problem, the problem in the mind of the customer becomes worse. And I don't want to lose it. I don't want the customer to go out there and talk negative about us. I don't want a terrorist, a guest that becomes a terrorist. <laughs> I want a guest that. Be- I want a guest that becomes an ambassador. You mentioned that, he, uh, yeah. You mentioned that a yeah. guest, a typical guest, is worth up to two hundred thousand dollars over their lifetime. Lifetime, lifetime. That yeah. is an extraordinary I, amount of money. Yeah. yeah, sure. And if I lose that guest, I lose those two hundred thousand dollars and referrals and so on, so on. I mean, it, 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 you know, there are three types of guests. There is a dissatisfied guest who becomes a terrorist. Today, they go on the, on the social network. And can destroy you. The, the, the next level of guest is a satisfied guest, but they go next door if they think it's a better deal. And the next type of guest is the loyal guest who deal with you because they trust you, and they're loyal to you. They stay, they stay your guest. If they can, they will work with you, even if next door they can buy the same product for less because they trust you. Mm. And that's what I want to convince the guest. I mean, if the guest has a problem, I don't want him to become a terrorist. I want to become a loyal guest and talk positive about us. So if the if the guest comes to breakfast and the bus boy said, "Good morning, sir. I hope you have a nice stay with us," and the guest says, "I didn't because my TV didn't work. I missed my favorite show." The bus boy owns owns the problem. The bus boy is done to say, "Please forgive me, sir." And 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 then the bus boy is empowered to say, "I feel so bad. I buy your breakfast." Mm. That's why they're empowered. Yeah. Tell, tell me, tell the story if you could about the the chocolate or the cookie with the nuts. That I just I couldn't believe that when I read that about the maid who was kind of doing some intel on a customer. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, look at that. There are a thousand story cookies. The guy took 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 the nuts out of the cookies. So that's that's one. There's one. And there's an opposite one too. By the way. But I, I, don't, I didn't tell them all in the book. There's so many. But mind you, I got the stories every day from somewhere around the world. What happened, you know? And so, so there, there are millions of little stories can tell. But they, they, when they made when they made saw, saw that, then 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 they are supposed to react right away and so all their cookies without a nut. And and so the, I, I was. I mean, I'm, I'm, as I'm talking, I'm thinking about uh, what I just I just went to a hotel that we had in New York. Recently, I was invited for to speak to the to the employees. The employees want me to come back for the anniversary, so I went back there to speak to them. And the, the employees emotionally, they were because I opened the hotel, taught the maids, and so on. There was one maid there that she thought that the toothpaste of a guest that was a long stay longer stay guest was nearly empty. And she, on her own, with her money, went next door and bought the same toothpaste and put it there. Wow. You have to comprehend those things. 
That is, if you have an if you have an environment of excellence, those things happen. You know, or you know, I tell the story about the ring that was lost in 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 in, 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 in Mexico in 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 uh, Cabo, not in Cabo, in in well, in Mexico on the beach it was lost for for a a honeymoon couple. You know, the 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 young man lost his ring in the sand. And it was gone, and they dug and dug. The whole beach was digging. The more they dug it once, was gone. It was gone. And when the beach closed, the four beach attacked. They didn't have to ask. They were empowered. They went to buy and bought four metal detectors and found the key, <laughs> the, the ring. And, you know, in a normal situation, they would have to call the manager. Can we buy a metal detector? One, they probably wouldn't have found it. Yeah. But they were empowered. They went and bought four, and they found the ring. And that young man called every newspaper and, and was on TV, was on radio station, talking about this incident that we found his ring in the set. Wow. You know, yeah. I mean, you've got to be for empowerment. That's why the empowerment is so, it, it was so successful, and, and it's unbelievable. You've got to be kind of ruined. You can't. You probably can't stay at like a Hilton Garden Inn anymore, right? I mean, once you've experienced what you've experienced, how do you go back? Uh, well, it, 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 that's a different. The Hilton Garden Inn is a different purpose. It's a purpose for having overnight shelter, and they do a well, good shop with that. It's not the purpose, and, and we 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 have a different purpose. We are, we are in the in the business of hospitality, not in business of sleeping. Hmm. That's good. Well, Horst, thank you. This has been wonderful. We've been talking with Horst Schultze. Horst, thank you. Happy New Year, and I uh, hope you have a great birthday celebration in a few weeks. Hey, uh, thank you very much. I'm really excited about it. You know, not everybody makes it to 85, and I will, I will keep on going. <laughs> keep it going. Amen. Thanks for listening to What a Life with Paul Batura. Let him know what you're thinking. Follow Paul on Twitter at Paul Batura. Or you can reach out to him on email at paul at paulbatura.com. Most importantly, live a life that emulates the admonition of the Apostle Paul, whose teachings are the inspiration for this show. Writing to believers at Philippi, Paul urged them, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We'll see you next time on What a Life.